There we are, and we are recording. All righty. So, uh, Drew Boggs, am I right? Boggs. Boggs, all right. <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce your name. Yep, it's okay. Everyone gets it wrong. <laughs> Adam Cuban got it wrong all the time, too, so no big deal on that. <laughs> all righty, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm, <clears throat> well, I sound really bad, but I'm doing okay. Uh, just trying to struggle with um, being a journalist in a COVID, COVID world is really difficult, but I mean, just trying to hang on. What is it like trying to be a journalist in like today's climate? Uh, you have to kind of be ready to be told no. Uh, you have to be ready to, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of really difficult, be, difficult to answer that because journalism has changed, I would say, not year to year, not decade to decade. It changes, I would say, week to week. Um, it goes from how we're viewed by politicians, how we're viewed by people. Um, it can be really difficult, uh, to be honest. Uh, but <clears throat> as long as you're uh, able to just keep uh, a good head and know what you're doing and just know you're doing the right thing and just try and keep a good foot forward, I think it can be um, not easy, not easy, but easier. Because um, from what I've been told and taught, nothing in life that's worth doing is easy. And I think being a journalist is one of the most uh, unsung jobs that you could do. Um, you're going to upset some people. You're going to annoy some people. But in the end, as long as you know in your head and in your heart that you did a good job, it's you're doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is a little difficult. Um, what was it like trying to report when uh, President Trump was calling out the media? Well, uh, it was kind of difficult just because uh, I've never known or seen a president, at least in my lifetime, or at least known anyone, because um, I didn't grow up in the Nixon era. I mean, many of our professors would say that that was when journalism was truly the enemy. But now it's really that everyone's the enemy. I mean, I get people calling saying, President Trump's calling you fake news, President Trump's saying this. And I'm just like, I, I'm a local journalist. I don't deal with President Trump. I don't talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. And I think the perception that has been created um, by his presidency is not true. Um, the fact that people think that we all communicate together and are cohorting together, first off, that would take a lot more time than we actually have, time, energy, money, to be like, let's all fake this story and go about it. Um, two, it's, it's just, I can't stress enough how ridiculous it is that I still get phone calls about how we're fake news and how we're out to get people. I mean, we have journalistic values that we're taught at Ball State, at every job that we go to, and just everything that is going on in our lives. And the fact that we're being, I want to say, alienated or isolated by um, the president who's supposed to be the leader of all of us, and it's kind of an isolation thing. And I'm not even saying it's a political party thing. I don't I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether he's Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Libertarian, or whatever. The fact that if my job is being attacked, my co my coworkers are being attacked, my colleagues are being attacked, it's, it's just I'm going to come to the aid of my, my friends who are uh, journalists until I'm proven that they're doing something truly wrong. Like, uh, I forget, the anchor who used to work for NBC, who now works for MSNBC. I, I literally just spaced on his name, but... Um, when all that came out about his Iraq war coverage and uh, that all turned out to be false, I was like, whoa, I lost a lot of respect for him and I'm not going to defend him because it just, it came out to be completely true. 
But the fact of people are just making baseless claims about we don't know how to do our jobs. And I would challenge anyone to kind of come in with no experience in school, no experience in the newsroom to kind of just be like, hey, you want to do our job? I will sit and let you do my job if you really want to, because it's it's a day to day change of everything. Did you imagine like after you, well, before you graduated that um, reporting and stuff would be like this? I mean, I knew it wasn't an easy path. I mean, our professors are pretty honest with us that um, you're never going to be the, the favorite figure. So if you're getting into journalism for the popularity, there's the door. I think it was uh, Phil Bremen said that to us and we were all kind of shocked as I think it was our freshman either a freshman or sophomore class he had said that to us and I was kind of like whoa um I didn't expect that because he goes everyone wants to be on tv everyone wants to just be um the person who just gets to be in front of the the scene and just be on tv and be a superstar celebrity journalists aren't celebrities I mean not everyone can be like an Anderson Cooper who's an icon or uh or I would say Nora O'Donnell more specifically just because of how she's been handling everything um, but no one, no one can be just them. They don't get into it for the celebrity status to have their face on TV. Um, they get into it because they love telling good stories and they love being able to uh, tell the stories of those who are not having a voice and those who are trying to fight, I would say, injustice. Um, but to, to be honest, I never thought that it would be like this when I graduated. I mean, it's a whole new world. I knew every day journalism's changing. I mean, with technology and everything, it makes things a lot easier. But when I left Ball State in 2014 to now, it's November 2020. It's, I mean, 2020 has been an awful year, but it, it's going from different stories that we've covered. It's, I never would have imagined going through this. There's not, you can be prepared as you can, but nothing gives you preparedness more than real world, real world experience. Yeah. And, um, Real-world experience yeah, is something that we really need. That's something that in my, like, since I'm a sophomore, like, I've learned that I need the experience. Like, with the Birds of a Feather, that 397 uh, immersive learning course, it has really taught and helped me grow more as a journalist than most of my other classes. Yeah, I think when you're, it's different nowadays with your guys' class because the freshmen and sophomores are given so much more like ability to succeed. When I was a freshman and sophomore, it was like we had to work even harder to get to where we wanted to go and just start from the bottom and work our way up. Not saying anything against your guys' class, but I mean, you guys have all the cool shiny toys and everything, and I'm a little jealous of that. But uh, the fact of that, the real world experience that your junior and senior classes that I had like we went to go cover spring training and it was something that I never thought I would ever get to go do and interview baseball stars that I've watched on TV and just be put into the notion of, wow, I get to be front and center on this. And some of it, I, I broke down a little bit because of the stress level and everything that was going on and not being able to succeed. And then being able to go to the Olympics in 2014 with, uh, with Ryan Sparrow was one of the greatest experiences that I got to have because it truly said, if I could fail here, I could fail anywhere. And it kind of just gave that mindset of uh, failure is always an option. It's never the only option because I mean, there would be nights that many of us in that class would go back to our rooms and just cry because we were so stressed because we were battling with real world journalists. And the fact of anyone who says they weren't stressed or when they do these immersive learning things, they don't know what they're doing They're If they say it was an easy time, 
no. And that, that's the good thing about Ball State is they put you in uncomfortable situations so you're comfortable when you're older. Because right now I could, I could go do anything right now and still be, have the confidence to be like, I got all the good training and uh, everything like that. But that real-world experience is probably the best thing. But I would say when I graduated in 14, I was more prepared than ever to go and just kick butt in the world. I mean, yeah, Ball State is really good at, like, preparing you for the world. Some of these teachers, they don't hold back any punches, but honestly, it helps you. (laughs) It does, because when you're in a newsroom, you're going to get those blunt, straight to the point people of I don't have time to mess around I'm I train a lot of people here at Wayne um, and I've learned that I can't sugarcoat I can't hold things back because my old professors would never hold things back I mean Terry Heifetz is one of the nicest guys I've ever met and he still will bluntly tell you this is terrible you need to fix this and I'm like okay cool yeah Terry just told me my idol just told me I need to fix this go do it don't cry just go fix it and it's it that's the cool thing about the teachers is that I keep stressing that real world experience because I mean, with all the experience that they've had and done and done in this world, they're giving it to us as students. And it's just so cool that we get to have that ability um, to do that. And once we get out of this, I would say hopefully in the next year of this COVID world, which I doubt we will be, I think it's like a two or three year thing. Don't quote me. I'm not a, I'm not a health person, but that's just my perspective of how this world's going to change. It, it just, We'll be writing about this in the history books of what journalists did in the Trump administration from the beginning of that to where we are now uh, going into the Biden administration um, and going from there, because this is a a historic time, whether you want to believe it or not, for journalism, for politics, for medical, for social injustice. I can't forget about the social injustice movement because that's also been a big part of the year um, and being able to cover that here. That's it's been a historic year for um eye-opening I would say it has been a really historic year um have you did you cover the uh riots and stuff going on with the uh Black Lives Matter movement so it it, I'm trying to word this right way I don't want to say it's a funny story how I got to be involved in it because it's, it's not a funny story that it was um one of our coworkers called in sick um, and I do the five and six and it was a Friday night and I was expected to go uh, hang out with my fiance at the time, now my wife. And I called her, I said, Hey, one of our producers called in sick. They need, they need someone to stay. It'll probably be a slow night. And little did I know it would not be a slow night. We literally were out at those protests at five and six, everything went according to plan. It was peaceful. And then I went to Arby's to go get a sandwich and I came back and I'm like, Whoa, uh, this is not peaceful. And I start getting calls from people if there's tear gas. I get people uh, crying that there's stuff going on and real tears that truly I could understand the emotion that they were going through. And it was just me and my anchor because we had already had an anchor out there and I sent reporters. It was literally me by myself. I was calling my bosses like, Hey, you guys might want to be in here to kind of have my back and everything. Not that I couldn't handle it, but I would rather management be there. And that was the first night of protests here in Fort Wayne. I think it was May May 29th, I want to say here in Fort Wayne, I'd have to look it up. But then um, we covered that and I was here at the newsroom until one o'clock. And ironically, I lived downtown where this was all going on. So, and my, my now wife at the time was just, I told her, do not leave your, do not leave the apartment, just stay in, lock the door. I know it's, we're in a high rise apartment with, uh, with security, but I was worried for my, for my fiance or wife's safety. So then I went home and 
got some sleep and I, and we had heard talks that there was another protest going on and we got an email that there was a city presser the next day. And so I woke up and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go explore and just go see what's going on. I wanted to go see for myself all the damage and everything. So I went out in my Wayne t-shirt, a uh, pair of shorts, uh, tennis shoes and a hat. And I was like, I just want to go see what's going on. And so then I went to the press conference just to kind of help out. And I called my fiance and said, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be uh, coming back. I'm going to go help my coworkers because they need me. And little did she know I was going to be right in the middle of the action, being a photographer, covering uh, it for Wayne.com, um, holding it for another Wayne 15 alumni, Michael Kuhn, who was just in the thick of it, keeping a calm head. And Michael's, Michael's a little younger than me. And he just, he had the calmest voice ever and kept me calm. But the one point where I think we were out there for at least four hours of the protest where it was still peaceful. And then someone went out and kicked a car. Cops were coming, uh, police and riot gear. And then tear gas was thrown. And somehow, some way, uh, I think there were protesters just in front of me and they were firing in different directions. And I was down on the side of the street and I got one fired at me and hit me right in the ankle. And it, it freaked me out. Like I didn't feel... I didn't feel pain at that moment. I felt like my, I was choking on air and it was to keep my composure while I was trying to hold a camera was really difficult. Cause I, I think the, the web feed shows I was not keeping my composure. It was a moment of freak out of, I've never been in this situation before. And uh, I'll admit I, I lost my cool a little bit and just couldn't breathe. But then I had Michael come and gather me up and then started having anxiety the whole time. And my coworkers were able to just, help me out and say, Hey, you've been here all day. You've been here for eight hours. You can go home. And I was like, I don't want to go home. I just, it's going to be, I feel like I failed. And it literally was all my coworkers saying, Drew, you were here the whole time. Like you, there's no failure at all. It was just you. We all have anxiety and we all are human and you did the best that you could. And then I went into work on Monday and looked at my digital director and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I lost I lost my cool that I literally was crying and screaming and couldn't breathe while holding a camera while we're streaming. And he said, Drew, if, if you're apologizing for that, you need to, you, there's no reason to, because it, it was literally a spur of the moment thing. We're all human. And it's that human interaction of this is real. This is, we go through the same thing. And it was one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, not that I felt my life was being threatened, but I didn't know what was going on and I'm a, I'm a person of control and that's why I like being a producer because I can control everything. But it just, it caught me off guard of, I went to, I think it was my friend's baby shower, literally still smelling like tear gas and everyone was just like, what happened? And then I had to tell my wife that I was in the thick of it and she was not that happy because she thought I would be safe behind, behind a computer. And I took, I, I did what any good journalist would do. I just threw myself out there and just kind of said, what do you need me to do? I'll be tired for a stay back there. We've already got enough people back at the station. We need some people here. And it just, it all worked out. It was just probably the scariest moment of my journalism career. Um, again, not fear for my safety that anyone was going to hurt me, not the police, not protesters, not anything, just not knowing what was going to happen and the unpredictability of it was probably the scariest thing. Yeah, honestly, those protests and riots and stuff those were pretty scary time honestly mm -hmm. but yeah. there was a lot of scrutiny and stuff from the press on any of the sides 
but it seems like it was a once in a lifetime story that you could get, honestly. Yeah. And, and in that moment, you don't really get to kind of, I mean, we've had many once in a lifetime stories when president Trump's come here, uh, we've done severe weather coverage, but that does that. I mean, that hundred percent tops it of where I was at um, and everything going on. And I went home that night, kept watching coverage and everyone was like, just, stay away, take a, take a day away. We've got this. And I, and I couldn't do it. I kept, I was glued to my TV of what was going on and everything like that. And it just didn't, it didn't make sense what was going on in my head that I needed to get everything together. And it just, it just happened. And it was in the like flick of a switch snap of the fingers and everything that it just broke out and everything happened. So wrapping this up, do you have any advice for students or for alumni who are just new into the into the industry, do you have any advice for them? Uh, my first piece of advice is you're going to fail, um, whether that will be on a small scale, on a medium scale, or on a large scale. Um, I know many people who have lost jobs, uh, me being one of them, because of the, I think it was the immaturity and the I don't want to say any experience, uh, the lack of training um, that goes through. Not every newsroom is going to be perfect. Not every uh, job you have is going to be perfect, but it, it takes a special determination and a little bit of luck because once I was fired from my previous station, uh, I didn't want to get into journalism again. I was like, you know, I'm completely done with this. Let me just go get a different job. And then I did, couldn't find any other job. So I went to apply for a photographer position here at the station and got denied, but then my news director, news director at the time said, hey, we've got a producer opening, what do you think of being a producer? And so I took one, I said, this is one last time, if I fail, I fail, I'll go find something else. And if I don't, uh, I just stay there and that's where I'm at. And I've been here now five and a half years, um, six years in the business, six and a half years in the business. And the fact that the determination and the perseverance is what you need to succeed in this business and second chances are all you need. Um, another piece of advice I would say is you don't know all the answers. I came out of Ball State like, oh, I knew everything. And then you realize you don't know jack squat. You don't know anything that's going on. You don't know how this newsroom operates. You, The cocky attitude is something that has to be left at the door, especially with um, how I was when I first uh, – when I first went to my first station, it was, I was, I was like, I'm the man, I got this. And it's the cocky attitude has to be left at the door. Um, you're, you start from the top at ball state to minus one and a half of the importance of the station um, in terms of like you being new. And I'm not saying you stay at that minus one and a half percent, but you work your way up. Um, I mean, that's how I feel every new person is and they eventually earn their stripes and everything. Uh, the last thing I would say is continue to learn. I'm still learning on the fly. I mean, we have a new news director that's been here for a few months and she's teaching me things that I didn't even know could be done with a show and that it's a different way of producing, the way to get better ratings and stuff like that and way to make the shows less boring and more interactive. And it's, it's a new way of uh, producing, say. And I mean, every day I go out and I, I learn something new, whether I'm here at the station or I'm out shooting Friday night or Friday night, Friday night football or Friday night uh, basketball. Um, it's just, those would be the, the three things. And also take every opportunity you can. If you have the worry that you cannot do something, just go and do it. It's 
your fear is going to hold you back and then you're going to regret th- listening to that fear and giving into that because it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be something that will haunt you and it's better to take, take chances than ever before and just step up. Um, whether you fail in that step up, you step up and you've learned and you will remember for the next time if that ever happens. Uh, it just, it just goes to show that this world is, this world, the journalism business, everything is changing every day with technology. Um, technology changes every like second, I feel like. I feel like my phone updates every single day and my computer updates every single day. Adding softwares, it just, it, it all is changing and you have to be able to adapt to that. So I said three, but now it's kind of four or five is kind of what I've gone on a rant of, but just, just keep pushing forward. We need, we need good journalists. We need good anchors, good photographers, good editors. We need all of that. Um, good digital, um, social media people. Um, digital is the way of the future. Um, television is kind of going the way of newspapers, not as far strong as the way newspapers are kind of falling apart. But um, in the end, television will fall, succumb to the same, same thing will happen unless they adapt. So uh, just keep on, keep on chirping would be another thing I would say too. All right, and thank you so much for interviewing with me today. For no the problem. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yes, it was a Not pleasure. A problem. Thank to you. Meet you too.